Almost a month since I was last with you all on a Wednesday evening, but you may remember that uh, when we were last together, we uh, were in the book of Proverbs. You may remember, in fact, that we spent five Wednesday evenings in Proverbs, particularly uh, looking at some godly character traits that are set forward in this book. We thought about integrity and reliability, discernment, a tamed tongue, sexual purity. And I mention where we were in Proverbs um, because while we're going to return to that book tonight and to the 25th chapter, we're not necessarily returning to that series that we were in on biblical ethics. Proverbs 25:25, where we find ourselves this evening, is a slightly different sort of proverb, and so this will be a slightly different sort of sermon. But we're going to begin the same way uh, as we did before, simply by reading the proverb and then asking God for his help in opening it up. So Proverbs 25, verse 25. Like cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a distant land. Like cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a distant land. Father, I pray that the news that we hear from your word tonight will be to us good news. And though in one sense it doesn't come from any great distance, that it will still be refreshing cold water to our souls that will leave encouraged tonight and helped tonight and refreshed tonight and eager tonight to serve you. And thankful again tonight for Jesus and what he's done for us in the gospel. And we ask in his name. Amen. As most of you know, Toby and I just returned from several days in the American South, uh, in our old stomping grounds, as it were, mingling with many of the sights and sounds and cultural norms with which we grew up. So familiar accents, familiar rows of pine trees, Cajun food at the wedding rehearsal, dinner, Uh, all of which, or most of which anyway, makes me nostalgic for where I come from. But one thing that I do not miss, actually two things I do not miss from the South, are the heat and the humidity. Now it happens here too, as you know from uh, about 20 minutes ago, Um, but it's much worse in the South, believe it or not. Sweating happens to me when I go back to the south, just walking out the door and standing still in the air. In fact, when we got to Toby's brother's wedding on Saturday, I walked in and made my way immediately over to a couple of her uncles uh, to say hello to them. And my forehead was practically dripping with sweat. In fact, if I had wiped it off, I could have thrown sweat across the room. There was that much sweat on my forehead. And one of the uncles said to me, what have you been doing, chasing the kids around? And I said, no, I've been walking into this building from the car, drenched in sweat. And it's not only sticky when it's hot and humid like that, but it's draining, isn't it? It's wearying if you have to be out in it. Sometimes even here when I'm mowing the lawn or something like that, I come inside from being out in the heat and humidity for a couple of hours and I guzzle down two or three glasses of water or at least sweet tea which has water in it. I'm always quick to remind people. 
Most of us know how this feels, right? We know both the weariness and we know the relief that comes when we come out of the heat and we have a glass of water or tea or Gatorade or whatever it may be. We know that quenching of thirst. And Solomon says that good news can function in just the same way. Good news can refresh a weary soul. Good news can replenish energy sapped like sweat from life's weary days. Good news can renew our hope and our vision and our strength in the midst of discouragement. Good news can revitalize the sagging spirit and get us going again. Like cold water to a weary soul, so is good news. We've all experienced this, haven't we? You've had a discouraging week, and you just want to roll over and go to bed, but then you sit down at the computer and you get the good news of the birth of a child. Or you get a phone call about good news regarding some project at work that's actually finally going to go through. Or you come to church on Wednesday night and you hear praises that encourage you in the praise and prayer time. And your strength is renewed just a little bit. And you have new energy. You thought you were going to roll over and sleep, but now you have something to think about, something even to talk about, something perhaps to text someone about or to share with your spouse. And the better the news, the greater the strength that is renewed by it. And this is particularly so, says Solomon, when the good news is from a distant land. Now, in this context, good news from a distant land, Solomon may have in mind something like good news regarding the outcome of some far-off battle that his troops are engaged in. The battle has been won, and the boys are finally able to come back home. Or maybe he has in mind good news of success in one or other of his trading vessels. He gets a, a report back, we found the gold that you sent us to look for. Solomon may have had these kinds of news in the top of his mind when he wrote this verse, but the statement regarding good news from a distant land, I think applies in many other ways as well. It applies to that Facebook post that tells you about the birth of the new little niece or nephew. It applies to that phone call from your spouse when they or you are away on business. It applies to that postcard from your friend writing to you from the Great Wall of China. It applies to the Father's Day card from a son or daughter who lives out of state. And tonight I want you to see that this bit about good news from a distant land and its cold water refreshing effects, I want you to see tonight that this proverb applies particularly to the cause of world missions, which we've already been hearing about this evening. This proverb applies particularly to the task of sending the gospel to the ends of the earth and sending missionaries with that gospel and receiving from them the good news of what God is doing in China or Brazil or Ethiopia or Zambia or Central America or wherever it may be. Isn't it strengthening to hear reports like the one that Alan and Rebecca just gave us of what God's word is working 
at the ends of the earth, of how people are coming to see the truth and see the light as he shared and be brought out of the darkness into the light of Christ. Isn't it good to hear how the Bible is being translated in some place in the world, maybe that you never heard of, how the gospel is being proclaimed there, how sinners are being saved there, how Jesus is being praised there, and they're finally writing worship songs in their own language there, and churches are being planted there, and heaven is being filled up because of the gospel in that place. It's refreshing, isn't it? You may have come in tonight, in fact, weary or tired or discouraged or fed up with something or other in your life or depressed or bitter or maybe just blah. I'm not really feeling anything at all, just here because it's in your weekly routine. But doesn't it refresh your soul, doesn't it salve your soul to hear about how the gospel is going forth at the ends of the earth? I hope that it does. Solomon says that it should, like cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a distant land. When Anthony lived in Ethiopia, He wrote a blog and kept updates on the work there, and the blog was called Cold Water News, which is where I got my sermon title tonight. And he got that, as you can tell, from this very verse. And it's apropos, isn't it? He was sending in that blog good news from a distant land, the kind of good news that hits us like cold water on a hot day. And that's what all of our missionaries are doing when they report in, which is why it's so good to sign up for their newsletters and why you should sign up for Alan and Rebecca's tonight. And this is also why it's so good. I told Alan this the other day. This is also why it's so good, if any missionaries are also listening to me on the Internet, for you to send your newsletters regularly and to do them well. They are cold water kind of news. The newsletters that we get, we often post them out there on the missionary uh, bulletin board across from the stairwell. Usually we make them available during the prayer meeting on Sunday morning, but it will also be helpful for you to sign up for a few of them on your own so that you can read them fully and read them more than once and pray over them and get outside your own little bubble sometimes and be refreshed. Now that point about getting outside of your own bubble by means of looking out to what God is doing among the nations, that point comes uh, from John Piper in his biography of William Cooper. I may have mentioned this to you once before. William Cooper is, uh, was a famous poet and a famous hymn writer. He wrote, God moves in a mysterious way. He wrote, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. But Though he was a great writer and in some ways a great Christian, he suffered much of his life with mental illness and depression, much of which he probably couldn't help. But Piper wonders aloud if Cooper might not have been much more mentally healthy and much more spiritually healthy if he'd have had more of the spirit of another William who lived around the same time and just a few miles away, William Carey. William Carey uh, was a British 
English Baptist pastor who, as you know, is now known as the father of modern missions. But before he went to India, he was there in his manse in England looking at maps and studying maps and studying statistics of the world and putting together paperwork uh, so that he could encourage others about the need of the gospel at the ends of the earth, something similar to the video we just saw. Carey had his mind on the unreached peoples of the world. Cooper wasn't like that. Cooper lived in his own little bubble. He was well-to-do because of some inheritance that he had. He had these mental and emotional issues, and so he lived kind of a life of leisure. Uh, The way I picture it, I don't know if this is exactly it, but if you've seen the movie Pride and Prejudice or read the books, uh, you kind of wonder, did anybody ever go to work in England in those days? And that's how it appears that William Cooper lived. Lots of time probably to be, as someone has described this sort of attitude, curved in on himself. Lots of time to be introspective, which is often a breeding ground for depression, just like water for mosquitoes. And Piper wonders aloud, what if Cooper had been a little bit more like William Carey? What if he'd have gotten his mind out of his own navel and looked at some maps and read some statistics about the religions of the world? What if he'd have gotten outside of his bubble and put his eyes on the nation? How much more healthy might he have been, and how much more healthy might we be if we did the same? And in fact, we have an advantage over William Cooper and William Carey, not only in that we have far more information about the unreached, but in that we now live at a time because of William Carey's influence when many of the unreached have been reached and we get to read their stories. We get to hear good news about what God is doing in a distant land and it may just be the refreshment that some of us need. If your soul is weary, it may be that you're not looking far enough into the lands for good news. Like cold water to a weary soul so is good news from a distant land. And so I just want to commend to you tonight, first of all, the habit of seeking out such news, signing up for the newsletters, meeting the missionaries in person, going to missionary websites and reading about what God is doing, whether it's Wycliffe or the IMB or Heart Cry Missionary Society, reading individual missionaries' blogs, reading missionary biography, of which we have a number of Uh, samples in the library, both uh, out there in the hallway and in the main library. And just a word on missionary biographies and how those uh, refresh our souls. Some of you remember it's been two and a half years ago that I read the biography of John McDonald, who was a pastor but who did mission work uh, on a a very remote island called St. Kilda with just some handfuls of people that lived there uh, without much gospel influence at all. And uh, I presented... John McDonald's missionary labors to you during our missions week. And one of the things that I remember uh, that he rejoiced in was that after some of his work there, he could get to a point where he said every little home on the island is having family worship in the evenings. So you could walk up and down the lanes of, of this island and you could hear the people singing the psalms and reading the scriptures together in their families. And it, it was just a sign of amazing success of the gospel on that little island. And you know, two and a half years later, yesterday, I found myself praying for people in our church family and extended church family and thinking about St. Kilda, that island, 
and the sign that the gospel is at work because Jesus had come into those homes and the Psalms and the scriptures uh, were being opened up nightly in those homes. And so two and a half years later, I'm still benefiting from that good news from a distant land and actually from a distant century, nearly 150 to 200 years ago. And I, I just want to commend this practice to you of availing yourself of good news as it comes from the mission field whether from the mission field of the past or from the mission field of the present. Like cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a distant land. If you are weary, spiritually dry, then set your sights on the nations and see if God doesn't rekindle your spark for Jesus. But then I want to look at this verse, still under this rubric of the cause of world mission, but with the news flowing now in the opposite direction. Because really, the best news that is told in this missionary endeavor is not the good news that we get from the mission field. The best news is the good news that we get to send to the mission field. Now, don't get me wrong. News from the field is great news. It causes the angels to rejoice according to Luke 15.10. But that news that comes from the field is only possible because of the good news that is sent to the field. Namely, the good news that is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The good news that opens blind eyes and unstops deaf ears and removes hearts of stone and implants hearts of flesh and gathers God's people at his feet in repentance and faith. The best news in terms of missions or any other news is the good news of Jesus, right? The good news that we read of earlier in Romans chapter 9 or chapter 3. In fact, let me just go back there and read those verses to you again. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world become accountable, may become accountable to God. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. This was to demonstrate His righteousness because in the forbearance of God He passed over the sins previously committed, For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. That is good news, that God justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. That is the good news. The news, yes, that we're all accountable to God. Yes, that none of us has measured up. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The news, yes, that neither God's law nor our own works can save us. But then also the news that God has provided another way. Apart from the law, that Christ has borne our sin and borne God's wrath against it. And that on the basis of Christ's 
merits, God can declare us righteous in his sight. The news also that it's all a free gift of God's grace. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to pay God back for it. It's received by simple faith by all who believe. Here is the greatest news of all, right? And yet there are still many places in the world today with little or no access to this news. And many of the people, therefore, are weary and they are heavy laden because their consciences tell them that something is wrong. And their priests give them little man-made ways to make it right. But their solutions provide no lasting comfort, not only because they're not God's solutions, but because they have to be performed over and over and over again. And so the people are weary. The people that Alan shared with us about a few minutes ago, burning their children as a way of supposedly getting into heaven. They're weary by false religion. And they have no access to the true. And how will they ever hear the good news which can set them free and bring them light and bring water to their souls? Only, verse 25, if someone brings it from a distant land. Only if people from the outside carry the good news in. Which is why we need to hear this. This is where we come in again. Don't you want the unreached people to be refreshed by the good news? You hear stories of people, just as Alan said, getting the word of God and realizing we don't have to burn our children anymore. Christ is our light. Christ bore our scars. Christ will get us across the river of death. Christ is everything to us. And you can bet that not only do they understand that Christ is their light, but that there's now a new light in them as they live for him. Don't you want the gospel to spread like that? Don't you want King Jesus to have that kind of praise from every tribe and tongue and people and nation? If you do, then you must be engaged in the process of helping those tribes and tongues and peoples and nations receive good news from a distant land. You must take those missionary newsletters and turn them into prayer. Some of you also probably should get this book, Operation World. I've held it up to you before. You can get it on Amazon. I can get it for you if you like. It gives you every country in the world, statistics, maps, prayer requests, all the things that William Carey was trying to compile and would have died to have a book like this in his hand. In fact, in the introduction to this book, they cite William Carey as sort of the forerunner of this sort of book. He created the first one. Was it nearly as full as this? But here is, here is your wealth of information. Here is your prayer guide, Operation World. Some of you should get that and pray and pray and pray. And also, when you're watching the news or reading on it, about it online and you hear bad news from a distant land, bad news in Syria, bad news in South Korea, bad news in Nepal, bad news in Baltimore, You turn that into prayer as well. God, there's so much bad news. Send them the good news. Pray that those who are in distant lands will receive and believe the good news that will water their souls. And then also, give. 
so that they might. Save up now for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Get yourself a little bank of some sort, a little piggy bank, and start saving up now so that you can give more this Christmas. Give to individual missionaries who need your support. Find an organization that you believe in and be radically generous in your giving to the cause of world missions. And then some of you should join Alan and Rebecca and go. Some of us need to get some biblical training and pray about where we should go and move to Indonesia or Mongolia or Greenland or Estonia or Tunisia or wherever it may be and tell people about Jesus. And if you think the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about that, let's talk. You and the elders, let's pray together. Let's think it out together so as to help you discern and obey the will of God. And then let me say, as Alan hinted at a few minutes ago, or not only hinted at, but just said a few minutes ago, um, let me say that some of you could be like Hasso. I wasn't here last week, but I know Hasso. I'm so encouraged um, by what he's doing. He's using his computer skills so that people like Alan and Rebecca can go and translate the scriptures. So he's not the one going, but he's using his skill so that others can go and be more effective when they're there. And some of you may have a skill like that, that you're not going to use on the mission field, but that you're going to use to get other people to the mission field or to help them who are already there. We all have a part to play because the task is too large only for a select few. So two weeks in a row, we've had people come in and talk to us about missions, people who are serving in missions in in a couple of different ways. And you may think, isn't this great? But these guys, these ladies are too few if they're only working on their own. All of us have parts to play. And the reason the task is too big for us is because sin wearies people in every corner of the globe including right next door to this church building. They may not usually realize what sin is doing to them. They may actually like their sin. They may have every intention of remaining in their sin. But by God's grace, all of that can change if they ever once get a real taste of the cold waters of the gospel that are so abundant here in this distant land. And if we will but send that water, some of them, in the words of Horatius Bonner, will stoop down and drink and live. Like cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a distant land. So will you pick up your little bucket that God has assigned to you and be busy about carrying it for Jesus and sending the good news? Will you pray? Will you give like you ought to? Will you use your skills so that others can go? And will some of you go yourself and bring the water of life to those who are perishing without it? Like cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a distant land. Let's make sure that we in this distant land get about sending it.